Welcome to the Youth Athletic Podcast, where, as you guys all know, the Yak. With me, as always, John Coleman, Paul Kenny, and I'm your host, Eric Strassman. So thanks for joining us. Guys, we're going to talk about the state of the Yak, the state of the union, the state of this, uh, this industry during the, uh, the COVID-19 uh, epidemic right now. So how are you? I'm good. Surviving. Yep, yep. Now, I got to say, man, this is a, an interesting time. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about this. We've alluded to this other podcast. But um, I feel like for today, what we'd like to do is get a little bit more into how it is we've been spending our time. Um, and, and with that, how you can get as much as possible out of your training, not having all of the tools that you would normally have on your tool belt. Tool belt. So is that, is that pretty fair to go by, guys? That's the way we should be doing it? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it works. So maybe let's start this off. Uh, Paul, what are some of the major hurdles that you've had to uh, you've had to get over since this is all um, since this is all gone down? So for me, um, we've again we are a primarily in-house facility. We do work with athletes online, but it has been developing the MAP online training system. Um, basically taking everything we do in the facility and putting it online on the train heroic app and, uh, and trying to provide, provide our athletes with a bridge to get, you know, through this time and back into the facility, but also to help them understand that this is an important time for them to spend time with their family and to understand what's going on as well um, to be human. So the, the, how do you break those things down? So let's say you had a program where they had like heavy squats, they had, they had deadlifts in it, um, you know, they had access to maybe some cables or something of that nature. How do you actually program uh, something that you feel is, is up to your standards, is up to par? So the first thing we did um, as coaches is we looked at what is the minimum amount of equipment that an athlete could purchase, you know, at a, at a low rate that they could get the most bang for their buck. So we put together a kind of like a home workout kit that included bands, uh, stability ball, med ball, and a foam roller. And the idea behind it was, you know, the cost was, you know, below $90, but we could do 200 plus exercises. Uh, having that ability kind of transforms the program. Now, the main piece of what we were doing though, was looking at, you know, the buckets, you know, we can't fill the max strength bucket. We can't really fulfill that, you know, max intensity with the weights. But what we can do with these athletes is focus on speed, focus on muscular endurance and work capacity, and kind of, you know, hone in on those two areas and, and really develop those skills while we don't have the uh, weights or the ability to touch on the other uh, buckets. Sounds good, man. How about you, John? Uh, so for me, um, I've already I was already doing some online training uh, with some people, um, and then uh, luckily I used True Coach, the True Coach app, to even for my in-person clients uh, to deliver their programs to them. So um, I work at a sort of uh, membership gym, so there's a lot going on. I used to have clipboards for my athletes at my old facility, but since I've been on my own, there's a lot going on in the gym, so the app is good. So if you ever come to my sessions, you'll see kids walking around with their phones um, because the program is on their uh, phone. 
So it was easy for me to easily transition these guys online. They already knew the app. I didn't have to teach them uh, about the app. Now, the only difference is that I had to get them to send me a list of literally everything they had in their house. And luckily for me, because I don't, I don't work with as many clients as Paul. Um, I work with about 25 people, like in person. Um, a lot of these guys had a lot of stuff in their house, you know, so we're able to easily transition stuff. Now, the exception is the lack of weight. I would say most people had about up to 50 pounds in dumbbells. Um, so we had to get a little bit creative with how we uh, sort of challenge the athlete. But other than that, it was a pretty smooth transition, I would say. That's cool. So, again, it, it forced you guys to be a little bit creative, but at the same time you were able to, you know, basically just look at what you could do and you spent more time emphasizing uh, those categories and you didn't just basically give up. You didn't freak out. You didn't just say, like, well, if I can't do it this way, it's not worth it at all, right? Right. Um, and I think that's maybe, maybe it right now, guys. But I think, you know, again, it, if you're a coach that sort of lives and dies by the heavy weights, mm -hmm. that might be an issue, right? Like maybe you need to start looking, you know, looking at the different options you have out there like these guys did and, and really try to focus in on, like, what do your athletes have available and how are those – how is this kind of training going to help them in – and I guess building the right kind of body and building the right kind of capacity for, uh, for what you want to see on the field. I think that's one of the biggest challenges we all have anyway, but I think, you know, recognizing that if all you know is, you know, is max strength, um, you know, again, you, you might want to do a little more research out there. Um, now let's take it through this. You, you own a facility, Paul. What are some of the challenges you have now uh, owning that facility? Right now it's, it's handling staff. And as well, you know, our facility is not open, but they're, they're still rent due and um, people, people that are working for you that are relying on you. So by making this online system, we've created a need for those coaches to continue to program and to continue to um, develop relationships with the clients. But, um, but, you know, it's one of those things where waiting on a stimulus package or, or hoping that there's a small business relief program could be huge for us because if our doors don't open, this is a very expensive facility to be in. Now we were having a, a good amount of clients come in and out the door. So it was, you know, it was paying for itself, but now with the door shut, this is, uh, it, it's changing the way that we are approaching, um, you know, staffing and as well as, uh, trying to harness and hold on to these relationships we've built for the last seven years. Now, what can you do to make sure that your clients um, are still getting the right level of assistance while this is going on? And what, I guess what I'd say is how do you make sure that you maintain these relationships? So for me with, um, I run basically the college athletes and then um, my coach Sean runs the high school and middle school, but when they log a session on their online programmer, um, they, it basically notifies you as the coach. And the first thing I say uh, to the staff is contact them right away. Ask how the workout was. Ask how this felt. Ask why they didn't do this many reps or if they changed this exercise. Um, kind of like John was saying, I asked for a list of equipment, and that was the biggest mistake that I came across. Ask for pictures. 
ask for pictures of equipment because this girl had no idea that she had all these tools in her basement that could be used as equipment, as well as when I asked her what she had, and she said dumbbells and a med ball. She didn't tell me she had dumbbells from five pounds up to 60 pounds right. you know, yeah. in pairs. I'm like, holy hell, like you got a lot to work with. So, yeah. you know, in order to maintain those relationships, though, it's more about communication now more than ever, as well as face-to-face. If you can FaceTime these athletes and mm-hmm. get, you know, I, I also filmed videos of the speed work live. So I filmed about nine to 10, 10 minute uh, videos where we're going over lateral movement, just like we would in the facility. I'm coaching them on negative shin, shin angles and putting the body where you want it to go. And they're seeing me do it. I think the biggest thing you can do as a coach right now is get face to face time with your athletes because that is the most often, um, I think missed aspect of training is when you're not face to face with the coach, you kind of lose that, you know, that vigor to get in the gym and do some work. But then when they see you, it kind of creates that, that, you know, mutual respect. Mm -hmm. So, so I just want to hop on there. Um, so one thing that I've been doing, um, because the app I use, I'm pretty sure Trainer Rogue have it, has it. Uh, I tell them to send me their last set of each exercise daily. Now, to some athletes, they think it's a pain, but um, me personally, like if I see something that's a little off, I import it into a coach's eye, and then I do an analysis of it for them. So like they can refer back to it during their next session. And plus it just shows that like, dude, like I care, like we're still trying to get after, we're still trying to do things right. So the coach's eye is key because it actually lets you go frame by frame. And as you're analyzing it and marking it up, you can record it and then you can basically send it to the athlete through, I I use WhatsApp because WhatsApp is easy to like send videos back and forth. but they can also text you, but that can get a little crazy if they texting you into iMessage. So I just want to use a separate app. So I just use WhatsApp. Yeah. Well, Coach's Eye is an app. And uh, again, how much is it, is it running you right now? Coach's Eye? Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's free. I think I might, because I like to get the premium things. I might yeah, have paid I for it. I think I might have paid $10 for like the premium uh, tools on it, but I'm pretty sure, sure it's free. The basic one is free. You can definitely get the basic one for free. And then I, I yeah. figured you had the deluxe version. And then again, yeah. WhatsApp is actually WhatsApp. I remember when I first got my phone, that was one of the first ones I just deleted. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that when you want to do virtual training, mm-hmm. um, or if you want to send big giant formats mm-hmm. uh, and, and big videos, especially something like coach's eye that like, you know, it, it, it just takes so many, so many little like micro pictures if you ever go through the you know how it does it and mm-hmm. you know again it's, it's a giant file but what's cool about it is you can send those things back and forth and that seems to be the thing that whatsapp is best for so mm-hmm. uh definitely for anybody who's coaching whatsapp has been really valuable that way um mm-hmm. i think you can put multiple people on the uh on a virtual uh session too but i haven't had to do that but i'd say like for me personally Virtual sessions have been huge that way. Like Paul's talking about getting some kind of actual face time, you know, being able to, to see each other, be able to communicate that way. Also, um, there's nothing quite like if they're going to do an exercise, uh, if you can have the phone set up just right, being able to see it, uh, you know, in live action and, and give you give like real time feedback. That's really uh, valuable. I was talking to one of my coaches uh, today and it was funny. He, um, he was, he was telling me that like he's, 
you know, I guess it's been a, been about four years uh, since he started using the True Coach app. And I remember he was showing it to me that that long ago. And mm-hmm. I remember I had just gotten done my first, uh, I think I had like two athletes that had left at the time. And I was doing like Facebook, uh, Facebook's like um, whatever is their video conferencing thing. So I remember I had just gotten done doing a couple of virtual sessions and we were talking about it. I remember me going like, yeah, man, this virtual coaching thing's great. And he's like, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, this true coach thing's way better because you can basically just, you know, you get on here and, you know, you can send your clients some feedback and this will work. And what we were talking about is how at this point in time, you have to have both, you mm-hmm. know, really there has to be some level of uh, programming being done. You have to be able to send it out. It seems like true coach is great for that, especially because you actually have an app that will allow you to send your, uh, your uh, videos back and forth on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it stores things really well. And then, uh, at the same time, you have to have an ability to be able to, I think, go live and go totally virtual with them, whether it's just having a conversation face to face or if it's actually doing a, you know, watching a session or watching a component of it. Because I think that's another way to really stay, uh, stay close with your uh, with your athletes. So just some ideas that I've had with that. But, John, I like that you brought up the, uh, the coach's eye. I think that's really important for the coach at this point. Um, can you break that down real quickly so people hear, like, just what some of the, the key features are of that specific app? Coach's Eye? Yep. Yeah, so Coach's Eye is basically a frame-by-frame app. So I originally got it to analyze to analyze my athletes' jumps and sprints, right? Um, so basically a frame-by-frame app, it literally breaks it down to a million different uh, pictures, and you can scroll through it and see every little movement that an athlete makes. Um, and it's cool because when you slow things down, athletes see things a bit more clear. Now, the other uh, piece of it is that you can mark things, you can mark up the diagram. So yeah. you can show like angles. There's also, a, there's also a way you can measure angles. So like you can put like a, almost like a protractor on the, uh, on the video. So you and they tell you the degrees, in other words, the degrees right? degrees of the angle, yeah. So it's That's pretty cool. cool. Another thing you can do, I'm actually looking at the app now as we talk. Another thing you can do if you want to almost get like a laser time on someone, you can have the timer start on first movement, like whatever you set the first movement in a video. And then if you have a line, right, that's visual in the video, you can like stop the video right when that athlete crosses the line, it'll give you like a general time. So that's pretty cool too. Um, um, that's a great app. I remember getting it uh, early on and the whole idea was just being able to take things like squats and deadlifts and mm-hmm. basically just being able to show an individual like, where their body was and what was mm-hmm. off. And a lot of times, it really seemed a lot of times it was more or less just to try to show that disconnect between, say, like the hips and the shoulders. That was yeah. a lot of what we were doing with it. But yeah. it's cool because it's funny. You got it for the exact uh, – you got it for the, the sprinting and the uh, and the jumping, which is something that – the jumping I was I was doing early on, but the sprinting was not something I got into until about uh, maybe like, say, three years ago. So, you know, yeah. it was definitely one of those things that, that was cool to be able to see that I could I could apply it there. Yeah, for the sprinting is cool because, like, you can show, like, stance phase. Like, you can stop it, like, right when the toe hits the ground. You can stop it right as the toe leaves. Like, it's pretty cool, you know? Absolutely. That'd be a fun one, man. Maybe just giving a breakdown of, like, different apps and uh, showing oh, people yeah. the different way that they can they can use these these tools, you know, actually, like, walking them through it. I think that might be a, a beneficial thing, like, tools to have in your toolbox. Oh, definitely. Dude, there's so many apps, like, that can help coaches make their lives a lot easier, you know? So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that one podcast. Yeah. I like that idea. Um, 
well, I can say this. For, for me personally, I'm one of those guys who's still been able to do a little bit of outside work. Um, but that's been a little bit of a challenge, too, just because it's so important to make sure that you're paying attention to the guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's key right there. Got to pay attention to the guidelines. And then at, at the same time, I've been coning things off um, so people know where to be. So on these sessions where um, there's more movement, it's been really important to make sure that you set it up almost 10 feet apart. Which then, from a coaching perspective, I've been trying to set myself up in the middle so that I can still feel like I'm a lot more of a part of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, again, it's it, this is that's more in the group setting. But, you know, I think there's really something to the idea of being able to, like, organize the session, keep people uh, apart, but at the same time bring them together. And that's maybe the thing I was going to ask you guys. I still would much rather do a session outside at a distance um, and I don't care how much the distance has to be, you know, I'd be fine 15 feet apart if you had to do it. But I also can say that I've been seeing a lot of people right now who've been doing, um, you know, big sessions using Zoom, right? Like what we're doing right now and actually doing training sessions. Have you guys tried it out and what's your feeling towards it? Um, you know, again, what, what, you know, what would you think about doing something like that? So I tried it out. Um, me personally, I didn't have uh, good luck with it. Um, it just didn't work for me. I think part of it was because the kids are on their phones and like bad reception. So it was a like kids kept getting disconnected. You know, um, there was a lag uh, for some of the kids. So what I decided to do is almost I created what, what I what I'm calling train along videos. So basically I create uh, I show me doing an exercise and I have a timer up there and it was They'll basically tell them to go. They'll see me doing it. There's a timer rolling. The timer stops. Uh, it'll also time the rest time. So basically, it's just something that they can just follow along on their own. Um, and it's almost like me being there because I'm, like, giving them an example in the video. Um, but, yeah, the Zoom call wasn't didn't really work for me. But I have seen it working for other people. So, um, I guess it depends. What I liked about John's video, if you guys ever get a chance to see one of these. If you are ever stuck on one of those uh, stranded on one of those islands, right, and all you have is your phone and John Coleman's video, you right. can do it. And it's like it's like almost perfect that way, where it's like sunk up, the time's there. But if you're like me and you're just observing it, you realize as you're waiting for these breaks to hit, you start to get bored because you're just watching and you're not training. So again, right. it's perfect for the individual who's following during the training session. And that's like, it was one of the coolest things to see. Like, I remember when I first clicked on it, I'm looking at it and realizing, I'm like, that's a good exercise. And I'm waiting. I'm like, wait, what's going on here? I was like, oh, wait, he said the breakup. This is like right. a train along video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, it's good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, have you tried out the, uh, the, Zoom, uh, the Zoom sessions or, you know, multi-group uh, virtual sessions? Have not done the Zoom sessions yet, but I, but I see the intrigue and I see how it can be beneficial. Like I said earlier, I'm not sure if you can tell through the podcast or not. I'm a very animated person. I'm loud, I'm energetic, and I, and I like to go all in on things. So when we're live and in person doing sessions, I like to think I'm the energy that gets everybody revved up and kind of, you know, gets the party started. But online training kind of takes that away because, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's not that face-to-face value or there's not that dictated energy so I see where the zoom call can be very beneficial but like John said it's gonna take a few trial and errors you know Mm -hmm. it's gonna take a little bit of learning I really liked 
how the plyometric videos and the jump training and the sprint stuff I put together came out that went on train heroic. Basically I just inputted a speed agility quickness session and in the video again, it's like five to 10 minutes, but they get to see me actually acting out every bit of what it is. So on a change direction, I'm talking about getting the foot outside the knee, outside the hip, outside the shoulder, and I'm pointing and they're seeing it visually. Again, I think it'd be cool to kind of combo what John's doing with that and mm -hmm. create a full 40-minute yeah. session or something because that'd be awesome because then they would actually have time to rest and maybe doing the rest, I'm doing all the talking. Mm -hmm. And then they're doing. So, and trust me, when you're filming videos and you're doing pro agility stuff and then you're trying to talk to a camera, you're gassed. Like, yeah. there's a few times where yeah. I my breath. Yo, dude, that I was headphone session yesterday with the group and I'm doing the push-ups with the group and I'm going one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, two. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and you're like, you're going through it. And you're like, I can't breathe the way I want to breathe as you I'm know. counting it out, as I'm going around, as I'm looking at everybody, you know, it's like, you know, there's a lot of challenge that goes in with that. So Eric, one of the things, so we talking about apps and I actually use this with some kids that like, like even when I'm calling out the tempo, they still can't follow it. So they're like, oh, or they'll be like, oh, I am going down in, in two seconds. So, seconds. so what I have is a, what I have is a app called Tempo Coach. And for yeah. example, you'll see, I'll just play it real quick over the air. Get ready. Three, two, one, down. Three, two, one, up, down. Three. Like, bro, you cannot two, follow the tempo one. with this. You know what I mean? So um, that's one maybe you can use. Um, even when you're training people in person. Yo, but I will tell you, your clients are going to hate you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think as far as the, the group stuff goes, when it gets more challenging, yeah, definitely. I think that would be yeah. really helpful. Yeah. I think I haven't ever had a hard time with, with the group sessions that I do. I've never had a hard time when I'm not training, being mm -hmm. able to get them to identify the up and down part. That's right. yeah. that's something, and I don't know, it's just something I think it actually works pretty well because I can kind of show them with the hands. But you're right though, man. Like by the time you're at like rep five, rep six, rep seven, you're fatiguing. It's hard to have your head in the right place to make sure that you're, you're seeing what you want to see. But it mm -hmm. also like one of the big things I'm learning is in a setting like that, because this, that's not normally how I roll. In a setting like that, it's so important to give great detail in the beginning of the session for what mm -hmm. you want mm -hmm. before you do the set yes. and then in between the sets mm -hmm. so that they really do know what they're trying to get. Give them some feedback. One of the big things I said to the group was, I'm aiming on this specific one for eight to ten repetitions. But what you guys can do, number one, is you can absolutely take a rep off if you need it, right? right. So, like, if you need a little more time, take the rep off. If you guys want secondary, you can shorten it one second. So instead of doing one, two, three, four, maybe you're a one, two, three. And if you guys need it, you can actually take a, a full set off if it turned out that you really needed more recovery. So I tried to make sure they understood it and watch them. I also gave them a few other choices on the push-ups about how you could reduce that as well. So, but it, again, it really comes down to being able to, to break down what you want and then be able to give them good alternatives to do in advance so that on the fly, they can start to like pick one of those options and then you can always give them the feedback at the end of the set. What are you saying, John? So one thing that Paul, and I think we were like almost thinking on the same level, bro, 
like after I made that video, I was like, man, I should just shoot a whole session. Why not just shoot like, I don't know, three or four whole sessions and like, and then also still have like the timer still up on the screen, all that. Um, but I think that would be freaking awesome, bro. Like, yeah, no, it's like no one's it, doing that, I don't think. Like we were both doing the plyo dots or the plyo grid and basically like we would do the one, two, and then there'd be 32 seconds after the eight second, you know, work yeah. that maybe there's, you know, there's the point to coach. I know it's the, you know, you don't want to film another athlete doing it and you're talking and right now just with everything going on. Um, but yeah, yeah. you could do it and then film the other 32 at a different time and merge them together and create mm. a full long session. I like that. I like that. So basically what you guys are talking about is uh, to offer to say, your athletes or, you know, at this point, the way things are going, um, making sure that they get true virtual coaching. And, and mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, it's almost going back to like the videotape days, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Top up, like, boy. You, know, you plug it on and you sweat it to the oldies kind of thing, right? <laughs> if he brings up Sean T, I swear to God. Yo, Sean T? <laughs> Yo, what was the other guy? P90X bull? Yeah, Tony Horton. Yo, dude's a beast. Sean T's a beast. Uh, yeah. Billy Blanks was the first bull, right? He was definitely one of the first ones, especially when he did that tie bow with the game changer. Oh, oh actually, it was um, who, who's a guy? Who's a guy? Uh, it's an old guy, Jack Lalane. Jack Lalane. Yeah. Jack Lalane, aerobic stepper girl. What, what was her name? I forget, but. Aerobic stuff. You've watched a lot of these videos, though. Yo, I can my see mom, that. my mom did all this stuff growing up. She would buy the tapes, and then they'll get dusty. <laughs> I'd sell yeah, it a million times. Right. How about the uh, How about the uh, Ab Lounge? So you I remember the Suzanne Summers one when she was like, uh, she was the one who did what the thigh, the thigh mask. Oh, the little thing. Like, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, I seen all this. I'd be lying if I said I don't have one of those in the room next to me right now. You probably do because your uh, your uh, owner buys everything. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's also funny too if you think about it. Some of those uh, some of those older videos go back to some of the stuff that um, that Boyle was talking about, which is you kind of want to be a, a, an archaeologist, right? And I think it makes sense to dig some of those things up. I mean, that would be a great point right there for anybody. It's you know if you start looking back at how some of the training was done before, especially the at home stuff. It's not like all of it was shit. Like, don't get me wrong. The idea of just having somebody like transition from one to the next, 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 to the next. And I said it that long, just be annoying. But that's kind of how it goes. Like, it's almost like at a certain point, there's too much. But maybe if you take some of those exercises that are in there and find out like what some of those things do, like just test them out and feel them out. There's probably some really good ideas out there. I mean, someone was probably doing, you guys were talking the other day about, uh, that very specific glute bridge where you had your uh, your feet together and knees out. And I guarantee you, you go far enough back, you're going to find someone doing that before uh, our boy Brett is doing it. So mm -hmm. I just think, you know, again, it comes back to looking at some of these individuals who are doing these things. We're trying to do a whole lot with very little in the way of resources. So I think, you know, we could probably benefit from that, from going back to times where there was less available and, uh, and then, and take it and, and then, you know, take it into the sessions that we're doing with our athletes. So that might be one of the best points I can give on that is just remember that like when Boyle said that I thought it made sense because, you know, again, guys like, you know, in the sixties and he always seems to have some good perspective on these things, but I think it really makes sense for us as coaches to really take that seriously. Like 
look at some of those old videos with the awful music and the really poor uh, quality and just pay attention to what's going on in the session and you'll probably learn something. Yeah, I think more I can, so what you, you can watch the one I sent you from, um, from uh, my boy out in uh, Oregon. Uh, oh, what's his name? Um, Jimmy Radcliffe. I think I might, I, actually, I think I might have. Um, you like Jimmy. sent it one, you like sent it late one night, right? Yeah, Jimmy had some great ones on there. Um, just there, there were like a ton of different different little drills on there. So much so that I want to go back and I'm like, I'm going to break some of them down. But yeah, there were a lot of lot of drills that he had in there where you didn't really require any uh, any weights at all, you know. Um, there were like all kinds of cool jumps you could do that had like you didn't really require a weight room or anything also. So just some ideas in that one too. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the cool things I'd say as a coach in this time is what are we going to learn from this? You know, like what the kid who, you know, was struggling with his bench press at say 90 pounds or 95 pounds. Now he's at home forced to work on that push up, and the kid weighs 150. Like, is that kid going to come back and potentially be stronger from it? Or are we going to see a completely different kind of animal come out of it? I think there's a lot of things that, you can leave to research like John was saying before um, on our earlier podcast, you know, you could, you can wait until the research comes out or you can, you can do it. And right now there, there's no research on this. We can't wait and see. We're just kind of, you know, trying to track volumes. I think I told you guys the other day, I, I prescribed a five by 15 on Bulgarian split squats. And then in the B's was like a three by 50 on glute bridge because the person only had a 25 pound dumbbell. And it's like, you know what? we're really just kind of trying to attach a lot of volume to a low intensity, but work on a different system. And I think it's really cool, a cool time for us as coaches that we get to see what comes out of this. Yeah. I it's think huge. my, I would say it's huge. And I think like some of the things that we have to look at there, like, I mean, I'll give you a couple of ideas. Number one, I remember the cube method. I talk about that from a powerlifting perspective and the cube method was interesting because this dude, I think had been lifting forever. And he had talked about the value of not just living in that uh, five, three, one, but also why it is that he was actually to keep himself interested sometimes would do 15 and 20 rep sets. Right. Um, and also looking at, looking at just the, the body in a lot of ways, like I would say a lot of those plyo components, those explosive components. So when we take a push up and a push up becomes somewhat easy. You of course can set them up so that there's an incline, right? So that basically like their feet are inclined and their, you know, their hands are on the ground and that makes it harder. Um, but then you can also look at the, uh, the, the plyometric element of it, like being able to push and explode and get as much as you can out of the movement and then land softly, like that kind of thing. So, you know, again, time under tension has been a big concept that we brought up. But I also think, too, some of those ones where you become airborne, uh, that, that has a huge, uh, a huge benefit as well. And, you know, again, you were never doing those things and throwing them in. I think that might you really might find that the athletes are going to get stronger and have to stabilize a bit differently than if you just put them on a bench where they don't have to stabilize as much and then have them basically push this implement up and down. And they can generally at that point fatigue muscles and break down tissue. But they get really good at laying down on their back and pushing something away, which I don't know about you guys, but like maybe with a wrestler trying not to get pinned uh, as they're trying to fend off, get some space as a bridge makes sense. But it probably isn't that uh, transferable to when we talk about, say, a lineman who has to push somebody when they're standing up 
and a lot of times they're you know they're going to use their core a whole lot right yeah well I, I mean i think about it this way too is if somebody you know doesn't have a weight higher than 30 pounds where's the high intensity going to come from it's coming from those plyos and those sprintings and those jumps. Like that's the only form of high intensity work you can do. Like that's going to match the power output. It's going to be the maximal speed sprinting. It's going to be the high depth drops. It's going to be the plyometric fast switch stuff. You, your weights are basically just going to be that muscular endurance work capacity kind of realm. I don't think you can touch the high intensity with the weights because of the lack of equipment some athletes have. Yeah. Absolutely. And then how do you guys feel like if they have a sibling, have you guys put anything in there where you've looked at it and go like, ah, oh, well, you're, uh, you know, you're 15 and you said your little brother's nine. How much does he weigh? Like, <laughs> no, I haven't like, done that, but. <laughs> but in a way, I think it makes sense. You know, I, I would say this, as weird as that might sound, I remember, uh, I remember in wrestling, one of the things that, you know, my brother had to do for Bloomsburg was a lot of times they would take, uh, a wrestler similar to their weight class, have them hop on their back, and then they'd have to carry them up a hill. Now, granted, not my favorite thing in the world to do, but just maybe you could do something like that where you can get the right weight, have them add it on a push-up. So maybe have, like, the you know, someone who's lighter, uh, like, sit on the back or press down on the back kind of thing. Uh, or maybe even the idea of, uh, you know, the squatting thing. Like, you could probably have somebody get them sit on the shoulders kind of thing and go up and down with it. Now, I'm not saying you do it for everybody, but that is kind of one of those outside of the box things that you can consider depending on the level of which the athlete's in and, and also maybe the weight of, say, the sibling. Because when you have a sibling, it's not really as big a deal because they're usually stuck in the same house together. I was thinking about that too, like where siblings, a lot of times, if you have like two, three, or four of them, and, you know, let's say you happen to have three boys and they're all like within, say, like two to three years of each other, well, those kids can still play basketball against each other, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah, yeah. So. yeah I've seen, I've seen, I've seen athletes get creative too with uh, if you know they have a light dumbbell, but they realize, oh, I got this backpack that I could throw on and just dump a bunch of textbooks in there. Mm -hmm. Athletes are starting to get creative, which is cool, and it's it's awesome yeah. to see. Yeah, I remember uh, when we were wrestling. One of the things that we would do is we'd run a lot of steps, right? Which I still think is something that a lot of people could do if they wanted to get in that. Steps are definitely another option if you want to do it. Um, but I, I, I like, I remember the one kid, he was just this real, like, real well conditioned athlete who, like, it got to a point where, like, for him, like, running steps is easy. So he started to fill his backpack up. But it was also funny because usually halfway through, he put the backpack down, you know? So, yeah, it definitely takes its toll. Well, I don't know, guys, when we start talking about, you know, the different things that we're doing, it seems like uh, training virtually, um, writing programs, um, videoing actual full sessions with break periods in there. It seems like it's a really cool idea there. We're using a ton of technology, things like apps, um, to be able to allow us to talk to our clients. But also, it looks like there's different apps that we're using to be able to uh, make sure that the client or the athlete sees the, uh, the movement and balance, like coach's eye, that kind of thing. Um, I tend to like some of the HRV apps. I think they're pretty good, too, if you're looking to see the effect that you're having on the athlete. Nothing wrong with using something like a, a Morpheus app um, or various HRV apps, too. I mean, I think that you can find something out there because, you know, again, if you're, if you're putting these athletes through what you want to see is a, a hard session, it's cool to see how it affects the nervous system. One of the other cool things that we're realizing is 
athletes are getting more time off so that, you know, they're not going to school. They don't have some of the same stresses. So in a lot of ways, it almost seems like it's the perfect environment to be able to train at the, at the highest level. Are you guys noticing that since these kids are recovering really quickly from these kind of sessions too? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the number one thing I think is that they're getting more sleep, you know, so uh, that plays a huge role. A lot of times when, when kids are in school, they simply just don't get enough sleep um, because they have so much work. And then they also have a lot of sports and practices. Um, then they have to get up early. So the sleep is the number one thing that's helping them with recovery, I would say. Definitely. What about food? Uh, food, I mean, that's hit or miss. It depends on the family, you know. If the family is into eating. Uh, good nutrition, then yeah, if the family's not, then they're probably eating more bad food than normal, you know, because they're at home more. So, yeah, I think athletes athletes are having a lot more questions about nutrition too. Like, mm -hmm. I know one kid for a fact, he keeps asking, Am I supposed to drop how much protein I'm eating because I'm not lifting weights, or should I not eat as much because I'm not working out as much? And it's, you know, it gets tricky when you get into these periods of, yeah, you're not lifting as much weights, but you might be doing a lot more volume that your muscles need recovery from. So it, it, nutrition is going to be key and sleep is going to be key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and again, these are, uh, it makes it a little bit easier to control some of these variables. And I guess as coaches, it makes sense to be able to give a, a little bit of a breakdown of what you know about nutrition, especially if you do know about nutrition. If you don't know about nutrition, definitely don't start giving advice on that. Um, actually, Paul, if they don't know about nutrition, what can they do on Friday? So Friday at 3.30, the uh, Marino's Athletic Performance Instagram is going to have an Instagram live with our certified sports dietitian, uh, Rachel Sakalik. She'll be on there basically uh, providing any informational stuff about how to eat during this pandemic, how to fuel your body for these workouts that have changed so drastically. And since you're not playing sports, what you should do with your nutrition, as well as I will be on there too um, to kind of, you know, fuel the talk and add some questions in that if you guys want to pop by, just stop in and ask some questions. It's Marino's athletic performance on Instagram. Cool. That sounds like a good resource. So I think it would make sense for us uh, with this podcast to make sure that they have that information if they want it. Um, otherwise you end up doing what John's doing, which uh, John, how, how many nutrition questions do you answer in a day? Um, I answer about, three or four nutrition questions a day. So what I'm doing now is I'm just putting together like a little, uh, almost like packet or info uh, document that just tells them the basics. Like a lot of these questions are super basic. Like what should I eat after my workout type stuff? So uh, and it's funny how, because how do I cook or how do I cook chicken? Um, Yo, which to me is, which to me is nah. crazy. No, no, no. I think that's a good one, man. I think that no, so, that we could do. Yeah, so one thing that I also, uh, hopefully if there's kids listening, like, like you have one of the most powerful computers in the world um, in your hands. So a lot of these questions that you have, yeah, you can ask us like as coaches, but at this time it's time to be proactive. That's one of the things that I started uh, teaching my athletes. I have like a little group chat. Like, man, be proactive, you know, um, especially for parents right now. This is a lot for them. Like kids are at home, younger siblings at home. They're trying to work from um, from home. Uh, be proactive. Like use your use your phone. Like if you don't know how to cook eggs, like 
pro. There's a million videos on YouTube on how to cook eggs. Uh, don't wait for your mom to teach you how to cook eggs. You know, um, I'd say be proactive. Like this is a time for you to start learning. Like one of the other things that I tell my athletes, like, dude, you should be reading. Um, you should be reading a lot during this time too. You should be exploring ideas that you have. Um, anything that you ever wanted to sort of an idea that came into your mind, you should be researching that. Uh, use your mind, be proactive. I'm big on like empowering athletes. Like I hate when athletes just come to me asking all these questions, like, bro, explore for yourself as well. You know, like I'm here to help you, but I also want you to, to sort of be proactive and, and learn for yourself too. I think it's good that you're bringing that up to these kids and, and giving them those ideas, obviously like looking it up is a big part of it. I was thinking too, wouldn't hurt, man. I mean, I don't think it would really hurt to be able to do, uh, do some cooking demonstrations too, man. Just some real simple things. I mean, I'm at the point now where I realize that like for years I've been cooking. Um, I, I would say I've been cooking probably since I was like maybe 16, you know, that's when it started to happen for me. Um, you know, I was always using a toaster oven, but, you know, like actually like cooking on a range, probably closer to 16. And I would watch my dad like make things like French toast. And I remember the first time I cooked eggs, first time I cooked steakums, like that kind of thing. And I think it really comes down to just like understanding like roughly the heat at which you cook at, you know, how to use a frying pan and basically like having a good like spray, like that kind of thing. And just the amount of things you can do like with a frying pan, a spray and like meat, you know, how to, how to follow instructions on how to cook rice. Like it seems like real basic stuff, but you know, it's interesting. I get a lot of people who will see some of the things I eat and they go like, how do you do that? And like most of my rule is that I don't do very complex things. <laughs> you know, like to me, it's like, usually it should be one of those things that like tastes good. I should be able to learn how to season things up, but I shouldn't be doing things that are like you're going to take like two to three hours. That would just drive me crazy. So like, or like teaching people how to bake, like as simple as buying a baking bag, right? You buy chicken, you take the chicken out of the package, you rinse it off. Most of the time you're going to toss the insides unless you know what to do with it. Right. And then at that point, what are you going to do? You take the chicken, you know, spray it with uh, you know, like some ham or something like that, or put some olive oil on it add like maybe like some salt, pepper, if you want, maybe a little garlic or something, put it in a baking bag. And then at that point, it's pretty much like put it in the oven for 20 minutes at like 450. And then it's like 350 for uh, 20 minutes per pound. You know, like it's like, that's like one of those quick instructional things you can do. And next thing you know, the athlete now has a baked chicken, you know, like, and then how to, how to break that up, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know, like I, I could see those things being even helpful where, you pick like, you pick like maybe five or so uh, foods that you can you can make up easily, and then like just dump it onto a site, whether it's like this site or something like that. But you know, I think that'd be a cool one. Like some of these kids don't have someone to show them that, and you know, honestly, I think like if you if you're watching someone you respect teach it in a basic way, it's a lot easier than clicking on YouTube and having someone barking next to you that you don't know. You know. Hey, John, John can do it tonight. He has a lot of free time. He plays uh, cup games on his Instagram live sometimes too. So uh, if you're ever looking for entertainment, I think it's usually around that 8 p.m., 9 p.m. hour. Yeah, that was one time <laughs> and it was an epic fail, so I don't do it anymore. I told you I played hockey. The puck game was on the screen every single game. <laughs> Yo, but I think the key, I think the key for the person doing it is like, because I looked it up, like the person puts a mark on the cup. 
so that they know which cup it's in so they don't have to keep like looking like shaking it so uh that's why i messed up <laughs> <laughs> so that's another thing about these times guys uh we're finding ourselves to be a little bit more bored than uh than usual so because of that it's really important to have uh cool hobbies and, and entertain yourselves you know yeah yo but, honestly um so this is not anything about coaching. Like, dude, I brought out the NBA Jam. I've brought out Minecraft, all kinds of stuff that I haven't played in years, dude. Yeah. Because just sitting around, bro. You, you can tell the coaches that don't have kids versus the ones that do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> dude, I've got I've, – you, you've got uh, two kids, right? Yeah, two-year-old and a three-month-old. Yeah. And my man Eric has a big-ass dog. <laughs> yeah, he requires a whole lot of attention. But that being said, you know, it's a uh, it's a lot easier than what what uh, Paul's going through, man. You know, it's a uh, it's definitely uh, much more challenging that way. Definitely, it's a little more uh, tiring, we'll say. Yeah, my guy cries his head off like he wants to get out. And actually, honestly, man, my guy's a great excuse to stay in shape too. Like I'm telling you guys, when I take the rope outside and uh, toss the rope out to him, so I do like this sort of underhanded underhanded softball kind of toss of this heavy rope and he runs after it he grabs he comes back and then immediately he tries to juke me so i can't take it from him hey. so he runs past me at high speed i try to grab it and then when he comes back you know it's almost like the matador thing you know except he's the matador <laughs> and everybody <laughs> listening you can do this with your siblings too <laughs> there you go. And then after that i had like when i finally get it I've got like 140 pounds who has just mad strength in his, uh, in his posterior chain who's trying to pull the, the rope away from me. And like, you know, it ends up feeling like you're doing like some kind of variation of like a, uh, like a cable, uh, like a cable pal-off press or something, you know? Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, obviously, but that's definitely one of those things I'm learning is like during these time periods, even the dog gets bored. Yeah. Well, guys, I don't know, man. Like, the best thing I think we can look at is this. We're, we're starting to develop skill sets, um, especially with uh, developing videos and posting content, working virtually, that I think just allowing us to be able to not only keep our athletes uh, in check, but also be able to, uh, you know, pull in income at a time where I think it's challenging for, uh, for a lot of people to make income. I'll give you an example. I know some people who, uh, who coach more of, like, the martial arts, we're having a real hard time because they can do some of like the, uh, the kickboxing type stuff uh, and, and do more cardio based. But as far as that hitting the pad goes and hitting a bag and that kind of thing, that's not really available. So it's kind of cool for us that we're able to do our profession and still find a way to make money um, in a, in a profession that probably say 30 years ago, this, this would have been a joke. Like if this would have happened, you'd just be flat out out of work. Like, what are you going to do? Talk to someone on the phone and like, you could give them an idea what to do, but like, could you imagine just like talking to someone on the phone through a workout? Like at that point, you'd just be a buddy, you know? Yeah, yeah man. Good work. Okay. Yeah. Five, five. You have five reps or six. I think I can't sit. <laughs> I think the accountability aspect is huge too. And what I'm actually seeing is athletes that sometimes wouldn't come into the gym. I mean, if I see, in the summertime, 10 to 11 sessions of 12 athletes, there's athletes that could not come in and maybe I wouldn't notice if mm. they don't log their session on the train heroic app. 
it notifies me. It says this athlete, these athletes did not get their workout done. Mm-hmm. And I send them a message. So I think it's in a way working against some of those kids who used to sneak by with th- mm. working out three times a week instead of five. And it's mm. kind of like making them do things and making them get active. And the accountability factor is great. So one thing that um, my app shows me is like a seven day compliance. Uh, yep. 14, so in the group text message, I freaking shoot like a little screenshot of every freaking body's compliance or like a little video so everyone sees what's up right so and i and i sort of recognize those that had 100 percent compliance because now and, and as soon as i the first time i did that all of a sudden next week everyone had damn near 90 to 100 percent so like that's a good way to keep them accountable too because no one wants to be the guy that has like 20 percent compliance bro. and just so everyone knows this isn't an app versus app john uses true coach i use train heroic the mm-hmm. idea is is get an app the right. app That's is it. great because it isn't just you emailing someone and them sending you an email back that is mm-hmm. not communicative that is just sending an email right. this is interactive this right. it takes work from both ends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and honestly i like i i did a trial of train heroic i like it it was just one feature that it didn't allow me to do that. That's why I stay with true coach. But if it wasn't, Hey, if they fix it, I'm going to train the road because I like the <laughs> price. I like the prices. <laughs> but <laughs> That's pretty fair. Well, yeah, that could obviously we could get into that uh, another time really getting into like really what, what these specific apps do and, and, and how to use them. Um, I guess, you know, summing it up, it looks like, during this time period, it's just being able to communicate as much as possible. Um, it's also communication can be done in, in multiple ways. Obviously, video has been probably the most popular, but obviously there's, you know, there's the, the whole virtual thing of being able to be on like we are right here. Um, it seems like for you guys, when it comes down to accountability, those apps have been really uh, beneficial. Um, and I think, again, it's important to make sure that you're reaching out to the athletes, but also that you're responsive, right? Like just try not to let things sit uh, you know long at all because i think that's another important thing like when these uh these clients or athletes are reaching out to you a lot of times they're motivated at that moment and i think if you respond mm-hmm. you know a little too late in the day you might have missed those opportunities so i think it's really important to be like like quick with your responses um and then again i think as far as this you know this time period goes it's great because it's given us a skill set that i think is something that we're going to be able to use for for many years realistically mm-hmm you're still going to want to have these approaches. And I don't know, maybe this might make it easier for those athletes that are quote unquote in season and can't make it in train. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is going to put you in a situation where you're going to be able to give them some stuff to do when they get home from training or, you know, on those off days. So even if they can't come to your gym, maybe your online programming will still be something that you're going to be able to to do with them because, you know, they, they're already uh, used to it. They already like it, you know, and it's, and it's really not too invasive. They can do it at home. Check this out. Oh, I should just show you guys that afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> that was silly. <laughs> that little silence right there, guys, was John uh, showing me something that I thought was going to be like really valuable to tell you guys and, and call out, uh, but uh, I don't really know. He but, just put. Uh, he nah, just the put. Kid, he... Nah, the kid. So I was train. I guess it's relevant. So I've been training this kid. He literally had nothing, body weight, everything, right? And he was in his garage last night. And he found dumbbells. So now he just, he just sent me a text message that said, 
it's a whole new game with weights makes everything better. That's what I was trying to show you guys. That's awesome. Do you think that yeah. was a secret type thing? Like, if you believe you can achieve, you think that's what happened there? He was just like, I oh, really, I, I, I just, I feel like the weights are going to come. Uh, one of these days, I'm going to get Maybe. weights. Maybe. He, no, he, he said he had no clue they were there. They, I think boom. his mom was using them a long time ago or something. Positive vibes, guys. Positive vibes. Yeah. All right, Paul Kenny, final thoughts. I think the final thoughts are kind of going to be, you know, related to could this change the game or change the way coaches think? Because in my own opinion, because I've been doing it along with my athletes, body weight movements are really tiring. If you do them with tempos, they can be exhausting. But the soreness is limited. Uh, John said it the other day. I feel great. Like my body, my joints, they're not achy. Yes, I, I know that I'm going to be losing some muscle mass during this time or my athletes are going to be losing some muscle mass. But I think for athletes, you, you got to – you got to focus on what you can do and not what you can't do. You have to understand that you are going to be improving on a different quality during this time than what we would if we had some weights. Um, but I've realized that the amount of volume that some of these athletes can endure and come back the next day and still feel great. I, I want to see what happens with this high volume, you know, maybe it improves durability and maybe it helps the joints, you know, you know, remain injury free just because it's kind of like this becoming a savage training program, you know, mm -hmm. like it's fighting just body weight. Cause you can look at different sports and say a football player, yeah, he needs to lift weights, but what about the soccer athlete? You know, that mm -hmm. doesn't really push someone. He just kind of lands sometimes on his hands or pushes mm -hmm. off real quick to another body weight. I think it's going to be real interesting what happens at the end of this, but I'm excited to go along for the ride. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, man, like I'm definitely like, I'm taking notes day by day and I'm already seeing ways I can add some of this stuff in to when we finally do go back to normal sort of life. So. I love it. And one other thought for you guys, the football player, when he plays football, doesn't play football with weights. Right. No one plays so, sports with weights. So realistically, any of the things that you do with weights doesn't necessarily improve the skill set. Same way the weighted bat idea that we talk about, like where this idea of like, you know, making the bat super heavy and swing and doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to improve a swing or anything like that. So I think, again, a lot of the movements that we do are just about trying to create the right kind of patterns, right. And then creating like the right level of, uh, of speed and, and force and that whole thing. So I do think that's going to be a, a cool thing to see is if, if we're able to create just enough stress to get the training effects that we're used to, but, the same time, I think, you know, again, it's, it's, it's forcing us to be a little more creative with programs and I think also question more, which is always a good thing. So I think that's the, the final thought here is question everything. You know, I think that, that makes some sense. You know, question your programming and realize, you know, you can take a break from the things that you've normally done and, and try other things. And, and I think it's probably a good thing. I think this is a good opportunity for us to sort of low cost to doing it, right? So because you kind of have to, it's okay that you moved away from the things that you normally do. Like normally we would have, we would have been a little bit afraid to do it because we're like, well, I have a proven track record and this works. And because of that, I'm not going to move away from it. But now since you can't do those things and you're moving away, now you're, you can be a little bit more um, aware of what's happening. And also just like, just enjoy it. You know, I think that's the key, right? Enjoy the opportunity to program a bit differently. So while COVID's going on. Enjoy the fact that things are a little weird, a little crazy. Make the most of it. I think, and overall, I think, you know, us having this extra time is allowing people to be more creative. And I think that's a big part of it. 
So all in all, this is a strange time, but not necessarily a bad time. So for Paul Kenny, John Coleman, I'm Eric Strassman. Thanks for listening to The Yacht today.